Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So are you getting your arms around right now, the media, the Democrats and the Never Trump Brigade, their tactics before the election? Is it making sense now? After the Bob Woodard bombshell, which, of course, means a non-bombshell. Bombshell in the Democrat language means non-bombshell. You getting what they're doing? Every day, you're going to see a new fake news scandal. Yesterday was the president interviewed with Bob Woodard. Why? I have no idea. I think everybody's asking that question now. And said he played down the coronavirus. He left out some important context there. We will entirely, completely eviscerate this fake scandal today. It's a shame we have to do this, but we have to respond because the media is full of Democrats. And this is going to be from now until November 3rd. Every day is going to be a new fake news scandal, which we are going to turn around and ram right up their cabooses as we make their scandals about what the scandals are really about, which is their guy, sleepy, hapless Joe Biden. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your online data and your online activity from prying eyeballs. Get a VPN today. Don't wait. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today after scandal hey, number 6,742? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm just trying to frame myself up there. I'm all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Paula just had scandal to correct today. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said 6,743. You're wrong, Bongino. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. Uh, it's sickening. Yeah. Every day, we're going to see more of this. Get ready for it. Get ready to shoot it yeah. down and flip the script. We have media outlets, too. I've got that. Also, I think our show may have contributed to the uh, absolutely pathetic, lying Peter Stroke, former Spygate investigator really? from the FBI. Remember him? Yeah. We totally discredited him the other day, too. Yeah. Showing how he doesn't even know his own investigation. Oh, Oh, now he's moving. He's moving the goalposts again. I think it's our show that did it. I got that too. All right. right, Let me get right to it. Got a lot of content today. Today's show brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Mm. Mm. Perfectly aged, 100% American grain finished beef for the ultimate tenderness, juiciness, and delicious flavor. This ad always makes my mouth water. Every order of Omaha Steaks, flash frozen, vacuum sealed, delivered in a cooler with dry ice, stays ready at the cook in a freezer for months, all backed by their unconditional 100% money back guarantee. Right now, you get a gourmet grill out package exclusive for my listeners. Don't wait. This, uh, their steaks and food, their beef, is their chicken delicious. This package includes bacon wrapped filet mignon, top sirloin, boneless chicken breast, pork chops, Burgers, jumbo franks, side dishes, and the world-renowned ultra-delicious caramel apple tartlets and more. You hear my stomach in the background? That was real. Go to omahasteaks.com. Enter promo code Bongino in the search bar for a limited time. They'll add two pounds in extra burgers and gourmet jumbo franks free with your order. Omaha Steaks have been bringing people together for over 100 years. Enjoy family. Enjoy friends. Enjoy the best steak of your life. It is delicious. 
Go to omahasteaks.com, enter Bongino in the search bar for exclusive offers not available anywhere else. We should have these tonight. Order today and Omaha Steaks will add four burgers and four gourmet jumbo franks to your order for free. Going to the grocery store has become such a hassle these days, so skip the crowded aisles and masks and have Omaha Steaks ship all the food safely to your front door. It's the greatest steaks, plus premium meats, easy meals, everything you need to ensure your family stocked up for the long haul, backed by 100% money-back guarantee. Or again, omahasteaks.com, type Bongino in the search bar. We'll be eating that tonight. All right, Joe, let's go. All right, so I, again, I need you to get ready. Part of the coming coup, the revolution the Democrats are planning around the election. Dan, stop saying that. No, thanks. I'll say what I want. Thank you very much because it's happening. So part of their coming coup is a disinformation campaign. A disinformation campaign of lies, out of context quotes, and misinformation and disinformation fed into the public gullet every single day to make you believe that President Trump is unfit for office. Therefore, if he wins re-election, which is likely impossible, that they can destabilize the regime and say, look, this guy's just not fit. He's going to lead to the destruction of the United States. But to do that, they've got to get in your head that this guy's a clear and present danger to you every day. You got it? No matter what happens after yep. the election, if, 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 if it results in a Trump election, they've got to get you to believe this guy is a dangerous threat to your life. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see this just litany every day of new scandals. Friday, we had the fake news leak about how the president didn't want to visit uh, American dead in a cemetery in France because he thought they were losers. A totally fake invented story. My sources were there made up. It's just a fabricated nonsense story designed in a disinformation campaign to hurt military families and their connection to Trump, who he's had a close bond with. That's what that was designed for. This latest leak, this Bob Woodard interview, which is a leak of the president's phone calls with him. Again, why he was talking to Bob Woodard, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I don't. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, whoever recommended this should be uh, seriously should be fired immediately. I'm not kidding. Immediately. Bob Woodard hates the president. He can't stand him. Bob Woodard will take everything out of context. So in this phone call with Bob Woodard, the president said this. I'll play the audio here so you can hear it yourself. He says, listen, I downplayed the virus because I didn't want to create a panic. That panic part, everybody's leaving out. And they're making this out to be a big scandal, despite the fact that the president said the same thing to all of us back on April 7th. So this is a March phone call about a month before that with Bob Woodard. Check this out. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you, sure, I want you. To I be. wanted to, uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. Uh, you know, again, we run into this scenario, which we run into often with the president, where he's very blunt, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? I'm getting like goosebumps talking about this because you see that. <laughs> One of the assets the president has, which allows him to appeal to non-traditional Republican voters, union workers, black voters coming around to the Republican Party for the first time, minority groups like Hispanic voters in South Florida. We discussed yesterday on the show, uh, mo moving to the president, numbers we haven't seen before. The positive of the president's approach to politics and his blunt, just say what's on your mind style is new voters tend to like that. New new voters to the Republican Party. Not necessarily new voters in general. Does everybody get that? The downside to that is when you have a media operation whose full-time 
cause celeb is to take out the president of the United States. Whatever he says bluntly will always be mischaracterized to mean something the president didn't mean. Now, I don't mean this is a knock on the president, but I think Joe would agree having dealt with about more politicians than me when Joe was mm. doing a morning show, a popular one in Baltimore, politicians mm. would call in every morning and Joe would have to listen to them as yeah. a producer. And I know he wanted to vomit half the time, yeah. but some of them were nice. But you want you get you get used to canned answers, right? It's why we yes. don't interview. We have a very small group of politicians we interview on our show. We'll have Devin Nunes on the show this week because he doesn't give canned answers. But very few of them. That's why I just don't like interviewing politicians. Trump doesn't do that. Now, why do politicians give canned answers? They give canned answers because they understand if they massage the answer, they don't give any media, mm -hmm. any left-wing media hacks, room to take it and run with it and create something he didn't say. The president doesn't do that. It's got an upside, attracting new voters to the president who like his blunt style, and a downside, the media is always going to attack you. So, of course, the media version of this was the president lied to America saying he downplayed the virus. Of course, they leave out the context of that, which I just played for you in the phone call, where he says, I didn't want anybody to panic. Which is odd, because if this was a scandal, Joe, right, that he was hiding this approach. Yeah. President was scandalously hiding from America the dangers of this while publicly saying something different. That's not what he said. Just a few weeks after this phone call, he said the exact same thing publicly. So why is this breaking news? Listen, uh, gosh, I got to frame this right for you. And if I don't, I will be doing myself and you a huge disservice. If the president's stated ethos about how he was handling the coronavirus, we were serious about it, but publicly I was trying to downplay it because I didn't want to create a panic. If that was a scandal and we found out about this yesterday, then why wasn't it a scandal when he said this just a few weeks afterwards, which is the exact same thing in public? He said this on April 7th. At the time, though, when, when uh, Peter Navarro did circulate those memos, you were still downplaying the threat of coronavirus in the U.S. You were saying things like, I think it's a problem that's going to go away within which a couple of days. It, go, it will go away. You said within a couple of days, the cases will be down to zero. Well, the cases really didn't build up for a while, but you have to understand, I'm a cheerleader for this country. I don't want to create havoc and shock and everything else, but ultimately, when I was saying that, I'm also closing it down. I obviously was concerned about it because I closed down our country to China, which was heavily infected. I then closed it down to Europe. That's a big move, closing it down from China and then closing it down from Europe and then ultimately closing it down to the UK. So, and it was right about that time. But I'm not going to go out and start screaming, this could happen, this could happen. So, again, as president, I think a president has to be a cheerleader for their country. But at the same time I'm cheerleading, I'm also closing down a very highly infected place, specifically the location, as you know, in China that had the problems. And we're closing it down, but we close it down to all of China. Then we close it down to all of Europe. Those were big moves. And it was right about that time. Uh, folks, this was April 7th. Just a few weeks after the phone call with Woodard, where he says almost the exact same thing. I don't want to create a panic. 
He then laid out a few weeks later at a presser how he did all this stuff to take action against the coronavirus, but didn't see any benefit about creating a public panic. I'm, I'm, I, I swear to you, as I gave this cut to Paula this morning and she listened to it, she, she said to me, did you not? She goes, I don't get it. What's, what's the scandal here? Keep in mind, she's not, you know, she's obviously a Republican like me, but she doesn't live and die every moment of politics like I do. She's usually a pretty straight shooter with me. She's like, I don't understand what the scandal is. The answer is no one else does either if you're not a liberal lunatic. He said to Woodard in his blunt, non-massage, non-focus group tested talking point, maybe he needs to learn better how to talk to these people. Maybe he shouldn't talk to them at all. Fair enough. Fair criticism. But it's not a fair criticism to suggest that this is somehow a bombshell story when he said the same thing to the entire country a few weeks later. Here's what I did, ABC, travel ban, we did this, this. But publicly, I'm a cheerleader for the country and I don't want panic, which is exactly what he said. Why is this a controversy? The answer is it's not. Here's the Dan Bongino show strategy, talking about myself in the third person, which is always horrible, but nonetheless, we'll throw it in there. From this point on, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take their fake scandals, which we just entirely eviscerated for you, you can hold that cut, play that cut for your friends. So your friends are going to tell you, scandal, he downplayed the virus. Did he? How did he downplay the virus? He said the exact same thing April 7th to the whole country right after Woodard. So if he was downplaying it, why didn't you make a big deal about it then? Because what he said made sense. That's why you didn't make a big deal about it. We don't need to create a panic, which is what he said then, which is what he's saying now, and which is what he said to Woodard, and which is what he said to the country. So you don't really have a scandal. You're just making that up. Okay, so take your scandal, ram it up your caboose, because there is no scandal. You're making this up. Making this even worse. Now we're going to turn it on Biden. So here's the Bongino Show strategy. Prong one is we're going to eviscerate these scandals because they're not scandals and expose them as fake news, liberal activist nonsense. Step two is going to be to turn every scandal they make about Trump about Biden, because that's what pretty much every scandal is about. How is this about Biden? This is ironic, Joe, that now that, uh, uh, you know, Biden, who's a total clown and a total joke, he's being fed talking points by people. Wouldn't it be really ironic, odd, if Biden, when he was vice president under Obama, had been accused of inducing panic in public about another viral outbreak? No. Hmm. Joe, wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> It'd be really weird, yeah. That would be insane, wouldn't it? Weird, if like man. Biden's talking point now is, what a scandal. Trump doesn't want to induce panic in public, even though he told us that in public back in April. Scandalous. Remove him, from, impeach him tomorrow before the election. Weird. Wouldn't it be crazy time? If Biden had been accused of being a panic merchant by his own president, Obama and their team. Wow. Let's check out this Politico piece. Politico left wing rag. This is from 2009. Weird. <laughs> Biden says avoid planes and subways. Puts out clarifying statement. Got a screen cap from this bad boy. Well, what happened here? We had a massive outbreak of H1N1 and Biden opened his mouth and panicked everyone. Quote, Press Secretary Robert Gibbs under the Obama administration had issued an apology Thursday for Vice President Biden's comments that he wouldn't recommend taking a flight 
or riding in a subway car because swine flu virus can spread in confined places. <laughs> this is the quote from the White House. Not a joke. After Biden created a mass panic. Obviously, if anybody was unduly alarmed for whatever reason, we would apologize for that. And I hope that my remarks and remarks of people at the CDC and Secretary Napolitano have appropriately cleared up what he meant to say, Gibbs said during the daily briefing at the White House. Holy moly. So just to be... Right, uh, <laughs> Joe did not know this was coming. Joe gets the audio. Doesn't get the, doesn't get the screenshots. Didn't get that. We put those in later in the show. He has no idea. There's an element of surprise for Joe in this too. So just to be clear, <laughs> Biden was accused by Obama of generating a panic after the swine flu outbreak that they mishandled. And now Biden's take on Trump is that Trump's a bad guy because he didn't want everybody to panic? What? How is this? A, it is a scandal yeah. that Biden's such a loser. That's the scandal. And that Biden thinks we forgot about this. That is a real political piece about how Biden had the country in a panic after he told him, stay off the subway, stay off the planes, everything, swine flu. He had everybody freaking out. Now you say, ah, all right, Dan, can't possibly get worse for Biden. Biden was accused by his own, <laughs> his own, his own president, Obama, of being a panic burn. They had to correct his statement. No, no. Oh, it gets a lot worse. I'm going to show you in a piece in a minute by Carl Rove and go through some screenshots of not only Biden. Remember, who, who was accused of being a panic merchant by Obama who's now accusing Trump of trying to downplay the panic, saying, hey, I was way ahead of this. We should have panicked like I panicked under Obama, the one I got slapped for. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> we should have panicked. We should have panicked early. That's Biden's thing now. So, okay, so Biden, who is smacked around by Obama for being a panic merchant, is now suggesting Trump didn't panic soon enough because Trump didn't want to panic? So you would think, Joe, if that was his other case, right, that there would be evidence that Biden wanted everybody to panic when the coronavirus first came to the United States, right? Right. That's his, that's what he's saying, right? Okay, yeah. That he's mad at Trump for not wanting the country in a panic, like Biden tried to put the country in a panic in 2009. Oh. So clearly there's evidence Biden wanted a panic because he knew how bad this was going to be. Okay, let's go through that one by one. Okay. Let me get to my second sponsor first because this is just spectacular what a fool and buffoon this Biden clown and his team are. All right, today's show also brought to you by our friends at Ashford University. Listen, when you think of your future, you think of goals, right? Where you want to be? Well, substitute dreams for goals and suddenly planning your future is bigger. No one has small dreams. Dare to dream bigger and start your bigger future with a degree from Ashford University. Ashford University's online bachelor's and master's degree programs allow you to learn a convenient, flexible schedule. At Ashford, expert faculty teach you real-world skills from real-world experience and online classes built for life's twists and turns. You can learn more from home or wherever you feel comfortable. Pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like business administration, healthcare administration, and psychology. With 24-7 access to your classroom, daily support, and financial aid available, Ashford gives you the tools you need to go from dreaming to doing. Go from dreaming to doing today. Your bigger future starts today at Ashford University. There's no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Go to ashford.edu slash Bongino. That's ashford.edu slash Bongino. Ashford.edu slash Bongino. Not all programs are available in all states. All right. so. Getting back to this, just to be clear where we are, Biden caused the panic in 2009. 
Obama's team had to smack him down for being a panic merchant. He's now suggesting that Trump, on the record, saying to Bob Woodard, I don't want to panic, is wrong. And that Biden was the one who suggested somehow that panic was a good thing because he knew how serious the coronavirus was. Let's produce some evidence on that then. Hat tip to Karl Rove. Regardless of your feelings about Karl Rove, he covered this piece on Hannity last night. This is a damning piece. I rarely put Wall Street Journal pieces in the show notes because some of them are subscription only. Read this. It's in the show notes. Tattoo this one on your cerebral cortex. It's called the left's COVID memory hole. In my show notes today, Bongino.com slash newsletters, where you go to access the show notes. Oh, there's Lucy making an appearance here. Contrary to what Joe Biden says now, he and his team badly misjudged COVID-19 by Karl Rove. <laughs> Lucy was a little sick this morning. We thought my mother-in-law was nice enough to come over and take her to the vet. She's fine. So Lucy's coming over. That's why Paul, that's why that thing's still on my screen because Paula had to go get the dog. The left's COVID memory hole. Seriously. Here's the evidence now, Joe. Get ready for it. That Joe Biden knew we should have panicked. Trump said, don't panic. Joe Biden knew early, Joe. He's a sage. He's like the Stygian (laughs) witches from Clash of the... Give me the eye. The eye. He knew. He knew the world should have panicked over. So let's produce the evidence here. So clearly he supported the travel ban, right? I mean, if you're definitely going to panic about a coronavirus, right, from China, Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, not only did he love the travel ban, he suggested we should ban travel from everywhere and we should never get on a plane again because we should panic. Because remember, Biden's position is Trump said don't panic. He's clearly wrong, which means I think we should have panicked. Okay, let's Mm -hmm. check out how much he supported the travel ban. Quote, Carl Rose piece, Wall Street Journal. On January 31st, the day the president issued a China travel ban, Mr. Biden de- decried, decried, can't wait, let me look that up, decried, uh, meaning did not support, uh, decried Mr. Trump's, quote, hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. Well, I thought Biden said we should have panicked early. This is weird. Joe, very weird, Joe. Yeah. So he's attacking the travel ban as fear mongering and xenophobic. Oh, it gets worse. The Biden campaign now says he wasn't referring to the ban, but it sounds like he was. Campaigning the next day, this is after the travel ban, Mr. Biden seemed to attack the ban again, saying, quote, disease has no borders. Well, well, ah, I I thought panic panic Biden, panic merchant Biden, Mm -hmm. Biden panic guy, panicker. I thought he was saying we should panic. So if we should panic, like he said in 2009, when the Obama administration had had to slap him around a little bit when he was the vice president, clearly... He supported the travel ban, right? In, an, in, a, in the ultimate panic mode. Tr- ban travel from every. No, no, he did the opposite. That's right, because he's full of crap completely. Mm. He's full of human waste emanating from every hole in his body. Full of it. Wow. He called the travel ban xenophobic. He said, disease has no borders. Wow. Sounds like Biden's trying to have it both ways. Trump said, don't panic. I was all over this. I suggested we panic. No, you didn't. You're a liar. You suggested the exact opposite. The exact opposite, because you're a fool and a buffoon. Well, you may say, gosh, not only we have Biden on the record panicking in 2009, have him lying about what his response to Corona was, which was to do nothing. Do nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. His response was stuff Trump had already done and to decry his travel ban. Decry. Liberals, look it up, okay? I know you have a problem with vocabulary stuff. 
Well, who does Biden pick as his advisors, right? Because clearly his advisors knew panic was the right approach, right? I mean, their whole thing is Trump said, don't panic. He's wrong. So let's look at the brigade around uh, Biden, his closest advisors that clearly said panic's the way to go. Let's go to screenshot number two from the Wall Street Journal piece. Quote, it wasn't only Joe Biden. It was also the people around him. Ron Klain, remember him? He's a longtime Biden advisor and his former chief of staff. Opposed the travel ban on January 28th, just a few days before it was announced, calling it, quote, premature. Wow, that doesn't sound like a we should panic approach. Other Biden advisors were also dismissive. On January 30th, Biden confidant and coronavirus advisor Zeke Emanuel told CNBC viewers, quote, to take a very big breath, slow down. Wait, this doesn't sound like we all should panic. He says, quote, take a very big breath, slow down and stop panicking and being hysterical. Wow, that sounds like what Trump said. That sounds like exactly what Trump said. Weird how when Biden's advisors, Emmanuel, Zeke Emanuel, remember the Obamacare guy? When Biden's advisors say travel bans premature, when Biden says travel bans xenophobic, disease has no borders. And then when Zeke Emanuel says don't panic, Weird how that's not a controversy. But when Trump is on tape on a phone call saying the exact same thing he said at a press conference in the exact same time period, all of a sudden it's a national scandal. So if it's a national scandal that Trump said don't panic, why isn't it a national scandal that Biden's people are on the record saying the exact same damn thing? Because the media is a bunch of joker fool buffoons. That's why. So now we're going to do on this show what we always do. Again, take a fake Trump scandal and turn it into a real Biden scandal. You should relish talking about this stuff. Dan, we're getting bogged down in fake news, everything. Good. Turn it around and make it about Biden because it always is. Want to talk about collusion with Trump? Okay, I'm game. Let's talk about Hunter Biden. It's collusion with the Chinese, the Ukrainians, Burisma. Let's talk about that. Want to talk about health care? Let's talk about Biden's role in the failed Obamacare. We turn this room. We can do this all day. All day. You say it can't possibly get worse. Biden's people clearly, the Stygian witches, give me the eye. They clearly knew what was going on in January with the coronavirus as they were rewriting history and suggesting they knew panic was the right approach. Really weird. It goes on, this Carl Rove piece, with more quotes from Biden's top lieutenants. I'm still waiting for the, we need to panic. This is very bad quote. Haven't seen that one yet, Joe. Haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. <laughs> you? You missed that one too, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I just want to be sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, quote, Carl Rose piece. Throughout February, Biden's lieutenants kept minimizing the, minimizing the threat. I thought they were telling everyone to panic. In a February 6th op-ed, Biden coronavirus advisor, Erwin Redlener, wrote that a global pandemic, quote, was not very likely. Wait, wait. I thought this guy said to panic. <laughs> and he predicted the chances, quote, of getting a severe, potentially lethal form of the Wuhan virus. He just said Wuhan virus. He's a racist, yeah, too. He's a racist, too. They're racist. That that getting a, getting the Wuhan virus is negligible? Wow, I, I still haven't seen that we need to panic. On February 11th, Ron Klain again, Biden's old chief of staff. This is his guy. Again, played down the likelihood that COVID would become, quote, a serious epidemic, saying, quote, the evidence suggests it's probably not that. Still don't see that you need to panic, fellas. Still don't see it. Here, this is even better. 
Two days later, Ron Klain, Biden's guy, tweeted, tweeted for everyone to see, folks. Mm. We don't have a COVID-19 epidemic in the U.S. We're starting to see a fear epidemic. Oh, a fear. It's a, in other words, nothing to be afraid of, folks. Don't right. panic. Sounds like exactly what Trump said. But media hacks, don't worry. It's a Trump scandal, dreaded air quotes always. You understand why nobody trusts the media anymore by that CBS poll yesterday? It's like, who do you trust? The guy at your front door with the three-card Monty game? Well, or do you trust the media? I thought three-card Monty guy, 100%. <laughs> Yeah. To be zero to the media, 100% three-card Monty. You know the shell game guy in Times Square? <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Anyone who visited Times Square in the 80s knows what I'm talking about. You can't win that game, folks. It's a scam, just in case you don't know. They're ripping you up. $5, I'll bet you you can find with them. Do you trust that guy, shell game guy, or do you trust the media? People are like, uh, definitely the shell game guy, 100%. Media's garbage. Biden's people are on the record. Don't panic. We have a fear epidemic. Nothing to see here. Travel ban xenophobic and premature. Trump says don't panic. We said scandal. Scandalous. You may say this can't possibly get any worse. No, it does get worse. <laughs> yes, it, it does. does. Here's uh, Biden's guy on masks. Zeke Emanuel again. They were definitely ahead of the game on masks, right? Masks. Definitely go out and get a mask. Biden's guys, the stitch, give me the eye. The Stygian witches knew it, right? Quote, on February 29th, with news of the first U.S. coronavirus death, Dr. Emanuel, there he is, Biden's guy, told Wolf Blitzer that, quote, running out and getting a mask is not going to help, end quote. That's a quote, liberals. That means that's what he actually said. Then on March 12th, coronavirus advisor Lisa Monaco and Joe Biden double-teamed Trump's Europe travel ban. Monaco went on CNN and played down its importance while he tweeted, a wall will not stop the coronavirus. Mr. Biden also kept holding large rallies until March 9th and talked up in-person voting as late as April 2nd. I, I, I thought he told us to panic. I, I, I was still waiting for that. And the, it wasn't in, Joe, did you, did you catch it? Did you, did you see the, uh, everybody not, go out and panic line? Did not you, yet, Dan. You, didn't, you, didn't, you know. Yeah, me either. Me, I didn't see they did. No. Okay, listen. I have a video here. See, this is where Joe gets. He sees the videos, right? This is a super cut of a number of Democrats. It starts off with the health commissioner in New York City. Then you'll hear the dreaded voice of the worst mayor in the history of New York City, Bill de Blasio, a variety of MSNBC and CNN liberals, everybody telling us how dangerous the coronavirus is. We need to panic right now because Trump said don't panic. This is a supercut. Hat tip the great Tom Elliott at Grabian who has some of the best clips ever, right? This is a montage of all the Democrats early on telling us panic. This is really dangerous. Trump is crazy. He's not doing anything. Just kidding. This is actually a supercut of all those Democrats telling you, this is no big deal. Don't even worry about it. While Trump was saying the same thing, don't panic. Check this out. The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low. And our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about 
their daily lives. But there's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are a hardy people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, mm-hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling New Yorkers, go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life, and certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm going to be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people, with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot lot more more cases. cases. Right, right, because this is New York and you're in elevators and trains with everybody all the time. There it was, a montage of prominent Democrats, Bill de Blasio, Nancy Pelosi, and elsewhere, telling everyone, panic, this is a real danger. Again, just kidding. That's a great Grabian montage. Yeah, man. Tom Elliott does the best supercuts around of prominent Democrats and media lunatics saying the exact same thing everyone was saying in January and February because we didn't know that much about the coronavirus, which is don't panic. And saying things, listen, I'm, I'm not knocking them. I'm, I'm, you may say, why not, Dan? They said something that was wrong. A lot of people said stuff that was wrong. A lot of people. Because we didn't know. There was a lot of speculation that was wrong. Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, communists, it doesn't matter. We didn't know. People were speculating about an incomplete data set. We still things we don't know now. But to make that lack of knowledge as fake scandal about Donald Trump, whose simple statement was, I played it down because I didn't want to panic, while everyone else in the Democrat Party was saying, don't panic, and making that a scandal about Donald Trump when Biden's people are on the record saying the same thing, okay, if don't panic is a scandal, it's a Biden scandal, not a Trump one, and we have the receipts to prove it. Tired of these buffoons. Tired of them, and you should be too. Three-card Monty guy? Media. I'll take the three-card Monty guy any day of the week. All right, let me get to my next sponsor and how we may have changed the course of the Spygate investigation into Spygate. Liar Peter Stroke. We totally busted him on this show. Hat tip Hans Monkey, by the way, who we got the tip from. Great, great account to follow. And now Peter Stroke is changing his story Yet again, only the biggest scandal of our time, Joe, an elite FBI agent can't figure out how he opened up his own case. Huh? (laughs) I remember how I opened up every case in the Secret Service, and I had a lot of them. Every one. You ask me how, I'll tell you how I opened it up. He can't remember how he opened up a case against Donald Trump. Weird. All right, today's show brought to you by friends at, thanks, Quip, for my new toothbrush, by the way. When's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? Well, Quip's new smart electric toothbrush. Here it is right here. They just sent it. This is my actual toothbrush. Not a joke. Um, it's dry. Used it this morning. Comes in this handy dandy thing. You can take it out of this thing. Put it on your mirror like that. It comes with a little sticky thing right here. Adhesive comes right off. I use the little stand right there. Best toothbrush, best toothbrush ever. It's like a power washer for your mouth. You don't know how clean your tooth can get because you're probably using one of those old toothbrushes. 
Until you use this thing, you're going to be like, you know when you come out of the dentist and you have that feeling? You have that every day with this Quip toothbrush. We love it. The Quip smart brush for adults and kids connects through Quip app with Bluetooth. Come on. Can't get any better than that. Tracks when and how well you brush. Get tips and coaching to improve your habits. Earn points for daily brushing and bonus points for completing challenges like streaks. Redeem for rewards like free products, gift cards, and discounts. What a great idea from Quip and partners. Already have a Quip? Upgrade it. With a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. Their sensitive sonic vibrations are two-minute timers with 30-second pulses for a guided clean, slim, lightweight, and sleek with no wires or bulky charger to weigh you down. Look at that. Look, look how thin that is. Throw that right in your travel bag. No problem at all. It doesn't come with a flux capacitor. It doesn't need it. You know, it doesn't come with a big car battery. You don't need it. Slim, lightweight, sleek, no wires, bulky chargers, none of that stuff. Multi-use travel cover. It doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter. I just showed you that. Beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. Floss that expands to clean comes in a reliable dispenser, reduced waste. Plus, you can get brush heads, toothpaste, and floss refills delivered from $5, shipping's free. How smart is that? Join over 5 million mouths who use Quip and save hundreds compared to other Bluetooth brushes when you get a Quip smart brush for just $45. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. Go to getquipquip.com slash Dan right now to get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash Dan, spelled getquip.com slash Dan. Quip, better oral health, Made simple and rewarding. I'm telling you, it's like a power washing for your mouth. You don't know how uh, clean your teeth could be. Uh, my favorite toothbrush. Everybody in my house has one. Better oral health made simple. Getquip.com slash Dan. Okay, so moving on. As I said, uh, Peter Stroke, who was the lead FBI investigator into the spying, yes, spying operation by the FBI on Donald Trump, wrote a book. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as a writer of five books, People always ask me what it's like to be a, what's it like to be an author? I go, I have no idea. I'm just a guy who writes books. Uh, yeah. I'm <laughs> an author. Peter Stroke apparently thinks he is an author, uh, wrote a book and got the central thesis of his book entirely wrong, which is kind of incredible because he's the FBI agent assigned to spy on the Trump campaign using FISA warrants. Weird. Now, as I said, I, having been a former agent myself, you ask me about any of my cases, the credit card fraud case, the credit master case, the license fraud case we have, I can tell you exactly what happened in each case, how we got it. My last case in Baltimore, my first case in Melville, Long Island. I remember how they all came in. Weird that Peter Stroke's investigating only the biggest case of probably counterintelligence case of anybody's lifetime. And he can't remember basic details of how the case even started. Weird. We called him out on this the other day. Uh, due to a, uh, a tip we we got on uh, social media from, uh, again, Hans Monkey, But uh, this is written up by Jerry Dunleavy, the great Jerry Dunleavy in Washington Examiner. His story will be in the show notes. I strongly encourage you to read it. Washington Examiner, <laughs> I got that wrong. <laughs> Gee, did you ever? Peter Stroke admits he botched the timeline on the opening of the Trump rush investigation. This guy, ladies and gentlemen, is a tier one dunce. I'm pretty sure, given the penetration of our show into the populace at large here and how big it's become stroke. Probably someone probably sent them the clip the other day of us pointing out the obvious failures of his case and his book, how it's a lie. And now he's forced to go public and say, yeah, my book's wrong. I screwed the whole thing up. You screwed a lot of things up, Pete. There's a bad joke in there too, which we'll leave out for another day. But okay. from the Washington examiner piece, <laughs> yes, I do. Let's go back and just rewind a bit. How Stroke screws up in his own book, how he opened up his own case. Quote Jerry Dunleavy. Stroke incorrectly claimed in his new book 
that Australian diplomat Alexander Downer was spurred to inform the U.S. government about a May 2016 conversation he had in the London wine bar with Papadopoulos, in which Papadopoulos mentioned that Russia might have dirt on, on Secretary Clinton after hearing then-candidate Trump say in July of 2016, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails. Hmm. But as the Washington Examiner pointed out, Special Counsel Mueller and Inspector Horowitz both concluded that Australia informed the United States of this conversation on July 26th, one day before Trump made the comment about Russia. Kind of a big mistake, no? Lead investment. Uh, dude, that's at least a double. Come on. You do the right thing. Thank you. That's at least a double, Motley, there. Yes, sir. So the lead... In- <laughs> this is unreal. The lead investigator in the case, this dunce stroke, writes a book. You know how many vets you go through with a book, by the way? There's usually an editor, then a copy edit, then another set of eyeballs, then the publisher will look at it, and then there's a legal review. I know, I've written five of them. The main premise of the whole book is wrong. We started this investigation into Trump because on July 27, Trump gave a speech and suggested that the Russians get Hillary's emails. And then the Australians came to us because they'd heard something similar And they were so worried about this Trump speech that they came to us afterwards and told us about this conversation with Papadopoulos. Uh, No, dunce. The Australians came to you on July 26th, the day before the speech they hadn't even heard yet. Oh, my gosh, is this guy a moron? We have another screenshot from this, don't we? He says stroke. So now listen to this. So now he had, this is this is unbelievable, the stupidity here. So now he realizes he doesn't even know how his own case started. The Australians couldn't have tipped this off about a speech they haven't heard yet. So he says, quote, so I got that wrong. You think? So I was writing my book without the benefit of the notes. The FBI had those. Maybe don't write the book then, Pete. And the IG report had not been issued, stroke said. He goes on, quote, what happened was there was a big dump through WikiLeaks that occurred prior to, see, now, now he's retelling the story. Now, now, Joe, here's the version number two now. So WikiLeaks dumped, there was a big dump through WikiLeaks that occurred prior to the Australians notifying us. And it's absolutely as the IG report describes it. The Australians saw the WikiLeaks dump that prompted their memory of the conversation down in Papadopoulos. And then they began the process of contacting us overseas and giving that information to us. My recollection is, and the reason why I mentioned that conversation about Trump's speech and Russia, are you listening, is when we finally, in the counterintelligence division, got that, lo- got that leave from the, got that leak from the friendly foreign government, it was at the same time as Trump was making those comments, which were really concerning. Okay, so now he's, this dunce can't remember how he started his own investigation. He's now suggesting, no, no, the Australians weren't tipping us off after the Trump speech because they tipped us off before the Trump speech. Now they were tipping us off because this Australian guy, Downer, this diplomat, spoke with Trump campaign associate George Papadopoulos. And Papadopoulos had mentioned something about emails and WikiLeaks had dumped emails. Follow me, folks. I know following Peter Stroke, this moron's logic is really hard because he keeps changing his story. So disregard the old story that he lied about because that story is obviously not possible. The Australians can't tip us off about a speech they hadn't heard yet, okay? They tipped us off July 26th. The speech was July 27th. 
The new story is, no, they tipped this off about this collusion scheme and the Russians having Hillary's emails and giving them to Donald Trump on July 26th, not because of the Trump speech now, but because of the WikiLeaks dump. And they got really nervous that that WikiLeaks dump was the subject of a conversation between Downer and Papadopoulos that happened on May 10th. Wait, wait, what? Follow the logic here by this dunce now. Let's, let's you want to do a simple timeline? Yeah. So Papadopoulos meets with Downer, the Australian diplomat, on May 10th. Okay? So if the Australians were so concerned about the WikiLeaks dump of the allegedly hacked emails from the DNC, Joe, this is a hard question. Okay. If Papadopoulos and Downer are talking about these alleged emails that the Russians stole from the DNC and mm-hmm. the alleged hack, we're still not sure about that, wouldn't that have to have occurred before May 10th? I'm just yeah, asking. But, yeah, if, if I was, yeah, it's not yeah. a trick question. I know nah, you're puzzled because you're like, this is dumb. It, yeah. I know you because you're like, he's setting me up. I'm not setting you up. If I meet you in a restaurant, Joe, right, bro. to tell you about emails that have been hacked from the DNC, uh-huh. wouldn't it make sense that the DNC would have had to already have been hacked? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Thank you. I know you <laughs> give me the eye again. George Papadopoulos is not the Stygian witches. So if he meets with Papadopoulos, and Downer, if the meeting happens on May 10th about this hack of the DNC, dreaded air quotes hack, because we're still not sure it was a hack, right? Then it had to have happened before May 10th. Well, that's interesting. Let's go to the EC from the Mueller report. This is the opening uh-huh. document. The Legat received information from the redacted deputy chief of mission relating to the hacking of the Democrat National Committee's website and server. Okay, here they go again. So they're opening the case saying this definitely had to do with the hacking of the DNC server, which George Papadopoulos told Downer about in the emails. Well, when exactly was the DNC allegedly hacked? (laughs) Stroke can't get anything right. (laughs) Hilarious. Uh, May 25th to June 1st in that time frame. Hmm. So just to be clear, your first story fell apart because you're a dunce. Your second story is, no, no, we opened up the case because the Australians told us that the Russians may have these hacked emails from the DNC. Well, how do you know that, Pete? Because one of uh, Trump's aides, Papadopoulos, told an Australian that on May 10th. Oh, he did? That's interesting because the DNC hadn't been hacked yet. Fiction. You're like, this can't possibly be true. No, it is. This is how dumb these guys, this guy cannot get his story right. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just give you the real story. Why did Peter Stroke and the FBI start the spying investigation against Donald Trump? Because of the PP dossier. And they just don't want to admit it because it's a fake document. So they keep changing their story. No, no, we started it because the Australians tipped us off about a speech they hadn't heard yet. No, no. The Australians tipped this off about hacked DNC emails that hadn't been hacked by the time the Australians heard about it. <laughs> Joe, this makes sense, right? Yeah, I'm just, just, yeah. I, is everybody following you. the timeline? Yeah. They can't. They just keep making it up. Copy. The DNC, according to Mueller's own report, hadn't been hacked but until May 25th. How the hell could Papadopoulos tell Downer about it on May 10th? 
It hadn't happened yet. I would debate it hadn't happened at all, the hack. There's still no evidence the Russians did that. It didn't happen yet. Is this hard for anyone? Is anybody like, oh my gosh, this sounds really shady? So Stroke's first lie didn't work. Now he's on lie number two, which doesn't work either. Well, you'd say, well, you know, Papadopoulos, who told the Australian ambassador allegedly about dirt on Hillary on May 10th, which they thought were emails that hadn't even been hacked yet, which is just bizarre back to the future stuff. You'd say, well, maybe he heard about it, Papadopoulos, he'd hacked emails from someone associated with the Russians. Maybe that misstood guy. No, that's not going to work either. Look at his piece by Andy McCarthy. be in the show notes today, too. It's an older one. The FBI's Trump-Russia investigation was formally opened on false pretenses. Pretenses, Andrew McCarthy, May of 2019. Just in case you're thinking, well, maybe Papadopoulos had some advanced information that the Russians were gonna, were gonna hack the DNC and go for the emails because it hadn't happened yet. You Australians can't know about something that didn't happen. Is this hard, liberals? McFly, hello. You like that? Some of you got that. From Andy McCarthy's piece, Papadopoulos had advanced info, Joe. That's it. He, he knew they were going to do it, right? <laughs> well, here's from Andy McCarthy's piece. We learned from the Mueller report that Mifsud was interviewed by the FBI. This is the guy who meets with Papadopoulos before the Downer meeting. He meets with him in April before the May 10th Papadopoulos Downer meeting. That Mifsud was interviewed by the FBI and a couple, we- a couple weeks after the Bureau interviewed Papadopoulos. Mifsud denied that when he met with Papadopoulos in London on April 26th of 2016, that he either knew about or said anything about Russia's possession of Clinton-related emails. Oh, we can ice off that avenue. It gets worse. No, 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 no. He could have been lying. Papadopoulos had advanced knowledge about a hack that didn't happen yet. Mifsud told him, and Mifsud's lying. Well, that's weird because as Andy says here, the government has never alleged that Mifsud's denial of this, talking about emails or anything else, was false. (laughs) This is such a clown show. This is such a clown show that the media chooses to continue to die on this hill of Spygate, despite every avenue they go down being closed off by these crazy things called data points and facts, is just hilarious. It's hilarious to watch. We open it because of the Australia tip about the Trump speech. You mean the one that didn't happen yet? No, no, no. I changed my mind. I lied in my book. And so did the editors and everyone else. Um, No, no. It was really about... The hacked DNC emails that Papadopoulos told Downer about. You mean the hack that hadn't happened when he met with Downer? Uh, no, 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 no. No, Papadopoulos knew because he met with Mifsud just a few weeks earlier in April. Really? Because Mifsud never said that and you never charged him with lying. I'm just so tired of stupid people. And Peter Stroke is one of the dumbest human beings on the planet. This is a genuine grade A tier one moron. I'm sorry. I really am. But this is a genuinely bad guy who keeps telling false stories all the time that are easily, easily rebutted by basic facts in the case. And this is a senior level FBI agent that the media is now deified into some golden calf they genuflect in front of. He can't get his own story right. How is it that a guy like me, who I don't have a clearance anymore, I did not investigate this case and don't have access to internal documents he did. 
How is it that I can debunk his story in 15 minutes? How is that? Because he's lying to you. All right, let me get to my final sponsor. I want to get to this um, New York Post story that's troubled me. And hopefully some other stuff too. But uh, I got that Devin Nunes interview. We're taping later today. It'll air on Friday. We're going to have Carter Page on at the end too. We'll talk about a lot of this stuff. You're not going to want to miss it. I've been itching to do a Spygate special for a while. Uh, Today's show also brought to you by friends at Patriot Mobile. Listen, sadly, American students are getting caught up in the politics of coronavirus and their education is hanging right now in the balance. To support the next generation of freedom-loving Americans, Patriot Mobile is running a school days promotion. This is a really nice one. Until September 12th, Choose either a free phone or a free month of service when you switch to America's only conservative cell phone carrier. Only. That's Patriot Mobile. Plus, instead of charging hidden fees and funding left-wing propaganda, Patriot Mobile will donate a portion of your bill to Students for Life. That's right. Stop supporting these left-wing companies. Get the same reliable nationwide service and support a company that shares your values, supports our Constitution, and puts people before profits. Switching is easy. Keep your phone number, bring your own phone, or buy a new one. Go today. Call 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, or visit patriotmobile.com slash Dan. Use the promo code Dan when you choose a free month of service or a free phone. Veterans and first responders, you save even more. It's because they respect you guys, and I do too. 972 and ladies. 972-PATRIOT, that's 972-PATRIOT, or visit patriotmobile.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan. Again, patriotmobile.com slash Dan, use promo code Dan. Okay. So I'm going to move on from that. I just, um, I, I just, I get frustrated as you can tell by just the endless parade of stupidity from our media folks and how they just, this guy should be a laughing stock stroke. He really should be. He should be a generational laughing stock. He should apologize, say they opened the case because of a fake dossier they got fooled by and just move on. Take the L brother, take the L. Have some dignity. Moving on. So I saw the story in the New York Post, which goes back to my point that our opponents in this coming coup, I was talking about uh, over the last few shows, that they are planning, by the way, openly. Not my words, theirs. Remember the left preparing for a street fight after the election, according to the Transition Integrity Project? A lot of them are soft. New York Post is a great piece in the show notes today. Again, bongino.com slash newsletter to access the show notes. Inside the privileged lives of the protesters busted for rioting in Manhattan. Now, you know what? On a serious note, I'm going to show you a screenshot from this piece in a moment. So these are the, you know, allegedly oppressed victims of our capitalist, destructive society that's taken such advantage, Joe, of these poor younglings that they need to revolt in mass protest. Clearly, they're starving. They're starving masses. They've been underprivileged. They've had no access to a high-quality education. They're probably living without their parents in in squatter homes, you know, infested with rodents and stuff. These are real victims of this horrible capitalist, freedom-loving society. Terrible play. They'd rather be in the Soviet Union, maybe in a gulag. It would be better than this awful United States. So clearly... These people are all underprivileged. So let's go to the New York Post and see who got arrested for all of these riots in Manhattan. Um, here, so we have this woman, uh, uh, Mrs. Miss Kraber here. Aside from Kraber, the redheaded daughter of an architect and a child psychiatrist with a second home in Connecticut. What? Wait, what? Five of the others arrested appear to also come from privileged backgrounds. These are the people busting up your business, by the way. Leading one police source to call their actions the height of hypocrisy. Here's... 
Frank Furmeister of Stuyvesant Heights, he's 30. <laughs> he's charged with rioting in possession of a graffiti instrument. This guy's definitely struggling, Joe. You know, a victim of this destructive capitalistic society. So what does Frank Furmeister do? Well, he's a freelance art director who's designed ads for Joe Coffee and his work for Pepsi, Samsung, and the Glenn Livid. I don't know what that is, among other high-profile brands. His LinkedIn profile and portfolio show. That's good reporting by the New York Post there. Frankie <laughs> Furmeister, apparently doing pretty well, according to the New York Post. This is our underprivileged class. Rioting, busting up Manhattan. Now, again, on a, on a serious note, one of the warnings writers about capitalism and free markets have always put out there, prominently uh, Joseph Schumpeter and others, I suggest you read a lot of his work. It's terrific. Milton Friedman and others. Is they've always warned that there's one self-destructive component of capitalism we should never overlook. It's not the system in and of itself. In other words, there's nothing inherent about economic freedom or liberty that won't lead long-term compared to other systems, relatively speaking, to longer-term prosperity than any other system. Socialism, monarchies, whatever it may be. That, the evidence is overwhelming. Economic freedom and liberty matter. But there's a component of it that should always worry you. And Peter was onto this early. And the self-destructive component of capitalism is it's so successful that it sometimes sows the seeds of its own destruction. Why? That doesn't make any sense. How can a baseball team be so successful that it loses? Well, what they bring up, some of these prominent writers about capitalism, and they're accurate here. And this is what we're seeing with this New York Post article, with, the, with these privileged kids and young adults arrested for smashing places up, claiming the system failed them when they're living in second homes in Connecticut is that capitalism is so successful at producing wealth and privilege that as you go down your hierarchy of needs, and as they're all basically met, you basically need something to do. <clears throat> so say in a failed socialist state, what's priority number one for you? Um, avoiding death. Yes, that's a biggie. Every day you could potentially starve. You don't have any food. Socialism doesn't put food. Remember the, you know, the great famines, the Soviet Union, there are millions of body bags. If you manage to feed yourself in a Soviet Union uh, type socialist country or uh, China or whatever it may be, North Korea, then you have to worry about security because the state's spying on you. And at any given moment, you could be dead or find yourself in a gulag. Read Solzhenitsyn's work if you ever want a real inside account of what those gulags were like. So you're, most of your time, Joe, is occupied trying to stay alive. Yeah. Capitalism and freedom, kind of a big deal, right? Is so successful that those basic, the biggest problem we have in the United States is obesity. We eat so much, we get ourselves fat and overweight, which is unhealthy. Our system's so successful that some of the poorest people in the United States are richer than some of the richest people in third world countries. So capitalism is so successful, it solves your basic needs. Lickety split. So people have to look for other things to do. So if you don't find meaning in things like faith, your family, your future, making the world a better place, you have to go out and find problems. So you go out and you point out, and listen, every society has problems. 
So you see homeless people on the street of San Francisco. Problem. Why are they in that condition? We should care about them. You know, it's easy to say, oh, they did it to themselves. It was drugs or whatever. You know, some it may be. Some it may not be. These are problems. But they start to go out and find problems and find new classes of victims. And what do they blame it on? What's right in front of them? The only thing that's right in front of them, because they've never seen socialism, which is capitalism. The success of it incentivizes people to, because they don't have to worry about staying, their basic needs are met, to go find new problems. That's what you see with this class of softy Antifa kids and BLM rioters. They're soft. They're soft. They're coddled. They're eating Malamars in their mommy's basement, eating Hot Pockets at night, you know, watching reruns of uh, old uh, Family Ties episodes, hating on Alex. They don't have anything to do. So they get bored. So they go out and hunt for problems. The good news here is they're, they're not ready. You're going to see some chaos after the election. I've warned you over the last few days. You're going to see some chaos in the weeks after it. If we get through it, which we will, hopefully the president wins re-election. On the other side of it, we can break this movement. We can break them by showing them there's a process for your grievances. It's called an election. It's called organizing. But your old process putting the box of Hot Pockets down and getting out and busting up people's uh, property, windows, and you know, in some cases murdering people like happened in, in Oregon. That's not going to happen anymore. There is another side of this. They're soft. They're not ready. They're not in this fight for the long run. I promise you. All right, I'll leave it to that on this story uh, today. Daily Caller, just another note showing you how the get woke, uh, go broke crowd, how they just don't get it. One side, you know, the softies. They're not in this for the long fight. NFL, Daily Caller, in the show notes today. They did an online poll, this David Hookstead, an online survey. Not scientific, but nonetheless. 86.7% of people won't watch the NFL if players kneel during the national anthem. Again, get woke. Go broke, folks. These people are not in this for the long run. You are. Conservatives, you're the tough ones. You're the battle-hardened ones. You're ready for the long-term fight. These other kids, they're so spoiled because they live in a capitalist country. They're out there hunting for problems. That's all they're doing. We can break this movement. Freedom and liberty matter. We're going to stick to this system. Thank you very much. And we're going to fight for the Constitutional Republic. Thanks a lot. I'm glad you liked the show today. Uh, I'll give you an update on Lucy. Looks, She looks all right now, right? Bring Lucy. Can you come over for a second? Bring her over. Come on. Come on, come on camera. You never did that. The show's almost over. You want to say, some of you don't believe Paula actually exists. You want to see the dog? This is going to be great. Check this out. Say hello, Lucy. Come here. Look at Lucy. You want to sit on the desk? Look at Lucy. <laughs> this is a, Lucy, say hello to the audience for the first time. Say hello. Hey. Hey, audience. How are you? I'm the Dan Bongino's dog, Lucy. <laughs> all right. That was, all right, folks. I hope you like Lucy. I hope she brightened up your day. I'll see you all tomorrow. Take it easy. You just heard Dan Bongino.